Want to help your teachers save over 10 hours per week? Introduce them to School AI. It's not just a tool, it's a partner in the classroom. With School AI, teachers can plan courses in minutes, get real-time learning data, and provide one-on-one -on -one tutoring. Plus, it's free for teachers. Visit schoolai.com today. School AI, the classroom operating system of the future. That's schoolai.com. Focal Point K-12 is an innovative tool that helps teachers and students manage student portfolios. It provides a digital portfolio for students to store their work, set and track their own learning goals, and earn credentials and industry certifications. The platform also uses blockchain technology to ensure the security and safety of student data. Teachers can use Focal Point K-12's real-time dashboards to track student progress and save time with AI-assisted scoring. To learn more, visit focalpoint.education. Principles. Research shouldn't be a maze for students. Scribble offers a unified platform streaming the research and writing process. It integrates with major educational tools, ensures authentic student work, and provides educators with real-time insights. Elevate your school's academic rigor. Learn more at scribble.com. That's S-C-R-I-B-L-E.com. Welcome to Transformative Principles, where I help you stop putting out fires and start leading. I'm your host, Jethro Jones. You can follow me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. Welcome to Transformative Principle. Today is another conversation in the Summer of AI series brought to you by School AI and AI Leader. School AI is a great platform for helping your teachers plan and create engaging, informative experiences for all of their students. And AI Leader is a place you can go to learn all about artificial intelligence and how it can impact you as a school leader. Today on the show, I have Sarah Rubenstein, who is the principal of Ocean School, a K-12 alternative school in Port Townsend, Washington. Sarah also serves at the Port Townsend School District Place-Based Learning Director, supporting community-connected learning across the district. She's a credentialed teacher with a master's degrees in biology and education leader. Sarah has worked as a math and science teacher in Washington, California, as well as a curriculum writer and a teaching coach. Sarah, welcome to Transformative Principal. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Oh, I'm excited. We're going to talk to you because you did something that was pretty cool, which was you used ChatGPT to help you get a grant. And we'll talk about that a little bit more in the future. But before we get there, tell us a little bit about Ocean School and what it is and how it's an alternative school for K-12, because not all alternative schools go all the way down to kindergarten. So tell us about Ocean School. Yeah, so... I've been, the, this is my second year. I'm just wrapping up of being a principal and being a principal at this alternative school. So Ocean has existed for, I don't know, maybe 20 years in this district. It's had some different names too. So it's a family partnership program, which is a model that exists. I've seen across Washington state where students do some of their learning on campus with teachers. And then a majority of their learning is at home with their families. So 
our students K-12 spend about 30% of their school hours on campus with a credentialed teacher, and then they spend the rest of the time at home. So there's all these rules that guide that in Washington State. So students have like a written student learning plan that says what they're doing. And in our program, we like conference with families every month to talk about their at-home learning and monitor the students' progress that way. And then before I was the principal, but I was working in the district as we were recovering from COVID, and I told the district that we really needed to start an online program if we wanted to not lose enrollment. Mm -hmm. And I pushed pretty hard on that. And then I got put in charge of like yeah. figuring out how to do that and doing all the bureaucratic part of that. And then I ended up being the principal. So we've added now a six through 12 online program. The okay. first year after COVID, we ran a an elementary online program too, but we just, we're not a big enough district. We didn't have enough kids. We didn't like how it went. So we phased the elementary online program out. So we have such those two different programs that we run. And so some of our students are in the family partnership because they really want alternative learning and they really want something more like homeschooling, but with some public schooling support. And then we also have students who opt into it because it's sort of the only other choice in our district besides a comprehensive school. And so I just have a great team and we just try and meet all those kids needs however we can within kind of our program model and design as best we can. Yeah. So before or when COVID happened, I was uh, principal of a homeschool program up in Fairbanks, Alaska, which uh, is a similar type approach to that. Do the families get um, stipends and things like that for providing educational materials? And are you in charge of that as well? We don't do a program where we give stipends. In Washington State, the parent, you have to be pretty careful about what parents can direct the funds to to follow the rules here. So we provide curriculum and we have a few choices for those things. And then we provide a lot of learning opportunities that families have a lot of like involvement in. So we, we do a lot of like experiential learning and field trips and families are really part of planning all of that. Um, and engaged with that. Or like next year, we have a family who's going to help us. They're going to lead a whole theater production, a school-wide theater production that they're going to put on. So the families are really engaged in that way um, is sort of how our program is designed. But there's family partnership programs all across the state that look really different too. So yeah. other programs have different ways that families can direct decisions around curriculum while it's still the school holding that decision-making yeah. power. Time is a precious commodity. As a principal, you know this all too well. Between lesson planning, grading, and providing personalized feedback, the hours in a day can quickly disappear. But what if you could help your teachers get some of that time back? Introducing School AI. School AI is not just a tool. It's your teacher's partner in the classroom. Help your teachers save over 10 hours a week on busy work, allowing them to focus on what they do best, teaching. With School AI, teachers can plan courses in minutes, get real-time data on learning, and even provide one-on-one -on -one tutoring for every student. School AI also provides a FERPA-compliant chat GPT experience. But that's not all. School AI's co-teacher feature is like a personal assistant, adapting daily lessons to student interests, checking for understanding, and even automating parent communication. And the best part? It's free for teachers. So if you're ready to reclaim your time and transform your school with the power of AI, Visit schoolai.com today. School AI, the classroom operating system of the future. Visit them at schoolai.com. Interesting. 
Yeah, it's Alaska had a very unique approach to that. And back in about 2010 or so, they started creating these programs where families could choose to send their kid basically to any district in the state or any school in the state virtually. And um, and that was a really powerful thing for getting small districts to have some um, to really increase their enrollment because they could do some flexible, unique things. And so then when COVID happened, I was in charge of the homeschool program. And I said, hey, we got to open the floodgates and let everybody come in. And unfortunately, the district didn't listen to that advice. And they said, oh, no, we're going to actually do the opposite. We're going to stop running ads about about the homeschool program and we're going to shut it all down and we're not going to admit any new students. And the next year, the um, the enrollment dropped by about. 10% across the district, partly because uh, of COVID and people wanted to have more flexibility while other homeschooled programs just shot up uh, with huge increases. And it was unfortunate because we missed out on a lot of those students and they were living in our community, but not attending the community schools. And so, yeah, lots of strange, weird things happened during that time. So let's shift the conversation to this grant that you recently got and just walk us through the process that you went through to get um, how you use ChatGPT, what the grant was, how you did it, and and then we'll get kind of nerdy about it and, and go into a little more detail so that we can help other people see how they could use it too. Yeah. So in order to understand maybe most of the ways I use AI, you have to understand my other job because it's a small district. So how would I just have one job? So my other job that I've been doing for 11 years in the district is being our place-based learning director. So we have a district-wide, it's not an initiative anymore, I guess, just a district-wide thing we do where all teachers are implementing place-based learning. So I do a significant amount of grant writing to support that in our district. So I support paying teachers to do summer professional learning and like curriculum development work in the summers through that. And then the main funding I usually I'm trying to secure also is like school bus money. Like if you want teachers to get kids out of the classroom, they need some time to plan it. And then they need money for school buses. Those are like the biggest obstacles. Like stuff isn't usually the biggest obstacle, but we occasionally have to purchase another set of like boots and rain gear. Those are the things that the district budget kind of can't cover to really keep this rolling. So I'm always looking for ways that I can fund those three things, sort of. And so I've been doing grant writing, but the old-fashioned way where you have to write the grant yourself. And The old-fashioned way where you have to write it yourself. That's great, Sarah. <laughs> yes. And some grants are, like, pretty straightforward. Like, in Washington State, like, if it's an I-grant through the state, like, Office of Education, like, those don't tend to be so hard to write. The amount of writing you have to do is pretty limited, usually. And sometimes those aren't as competitive, but writing like more like competitive federal agency grants tends to be super time consuming. They have like a 50 page request for proposal that you first have to read. And at least my process is then you have to highlight and figure out all the things. Cause if you don't have all the things in there that they want, then you lose points on their rubric and then you're not going to get the competitive grant. So, right, it feels like very much like being in grad school, right? You have to generate this really complex document or you won't get an A, right? And you have to get an A to get the competitive grants. And I knew one of these grants was up 
It's a federal competitive grant for education. And I knew it was up and I just, because I now do so many jobs and I mean, a principal job is overwhelming anyway, but I have other responsibilities also that I'm to do in the district. I knew I needed to apply for it or I should. The last time I applied, I didn't get it when I wrote it the old fashioned way, but I've gotten it in the past um, because it's just really hard. It's a really technical grant where they really want very specific things and you're writing 20 to 40 pages at least including a really complex table that they want of all your goals and objectives. Um, And so I was like getting madder and madder as the deadline was approaching. And then I was just, I'm not going to do it. I can't. And then finally I was whatever. I'll just see if chat GPT can do this for me. If it can do it, then I'll write the grant. (laughs) Yeah. Let's pause there because that is, is so key. You are a smart woman. You're accomplished you can do a lot of hard things. And yet the idea of writing this grant that last time you didn't get was overwhelming that you were procrastinating it and putting it off and not wanting to do it. And because you knew it was going to take a lot of work to get it done. And I just think this is so valuable to pause for just a second and focus on that because we all deal with that in so many different areas of our life um, that it is not just, it's not just this one thing. And I bring that up because I was meeting with a group of principals I was coaching this morning. And, and that was one of the things that one of them brought up that they procrastinate and don't do things because it's just hard and it's just, it it just takes a lot of mental energy. And so they put it off and don't want to do it. So, all right. So you got, you got this thing now writing 20 to 40 pages, spending a lot of time on it is, um, could be valuable and beneficial if the grant is worth it. So how much of a grant would this be? It's $130,000 over two years. Okay. So that's a significant amount of money that you can do a lot with, right? Yes. And it's different than other district funds because I really put in the budget how I want them allocated, right? Uh So it's also different than other money I have access to through the district because I feel like I control it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Whereas sometimes you get very specific funding through your district. That's only your curriculum money or that's only your money for arts. But I have a lot more flexibility with that funding than also to support teachers. If teachers want to do something specific, they can come to me and then I can provide that funding without any barriers for them. So it's also money that feels fun. Yeah. Yeah. That's (laughs) a big difference too. So how long did it typically take you before to write this grant? The very first year I wrote it, I took like a week during winter break and I'm probably worked four or five day uninterrupted days during winter break. Wow. I got better at writing it because I could reuse it a lot, but this version of the grant, I really couldn't reuse my previous applications. I really needed to work from scratch because it was a pretty different concept concept of how we would use the funding. So I probably would have needed three to four uninterrupted days, which don't exist in my job. Yeah. Yeah. Like other than if I'm going to work every Saturday and Sunday for yeah. two weeks. Yeah. That, that doesn't sound good. So, all right. So then how much time did it take to do this one with chat GPT? Maybe three or four hours. Wow. So going from three to four days of full work to three to four hours. And why do you think that it changed? Why do you think it only took three to four hours with chat GPT? Because I didn't have to do any of the thinking. (laughs) Mm. You have to read the RFP 
the request for proposal, and then you have to be, okay, it says I have to have objectives. Okay, what's the difference between an objective and a goal again? This would be yeah. my normal process, right? Okay, wait, I'm gonna I'm gonna Google objectives versus goals. And then, okay, I'm gonna draft an objective. Is that really an objective? Like they're pretty detailed in the way they score these, right? So if you wrote a goal instead of an objective for this type of competitive grant, you're not gonna get the four on that mm. rubric, right? So instead, I'm just write me three objectives. And I tell it the name of the grant. It it knows that information enough. This grant's been around for a long time, right? I know ChatGPT maybe doesn't have super current information is my understanding, but I'm not yeah. a ChatGPT expert either, but it doesn't matter. Then it spit out three objectives and I'm, oh yeah, those are pretty close. Mm-hmm. And then I can just like edit it. So rather than me having to do that whole process, of th- that's just the first section, right? And now, okay, now I need to write like, describe all the different parts of it. I have it do it for me. And then I just go back in and editing. So it was three or four mm-hmm. hours of editing. And I had it spit out each of the chunks and sections separately because I felt like I needed something pretty specific. So I wasn't just write me the grant, right? Yeah. I was write me three objectives, you know, write me a description. Um, yeah. You have to write it. You have to write like a summary of your whole grant for it. So then I put in my longer description and told it I needed a 150 word summary. So I did, it just took out any of that of my own thinking and processing time and let me just be an editor. Yeah. So it, I guess it only takes three to four hours to edit 20 pages <laughs> <laughs> where it yeah. takes three to four days to write those yeah. original pages. Yeah. How interesting. So one of the key things that you glossed over is that you, you need to, to do it in chunks rather than write the whole 20 pages at once. That's just not going to work with what we have right now. And so how did you know you needed to break it down into chunks? How did you learn that? I think I just thought that that must be the best way to do it. I mean, right. I don't, I'm not an AI expert. I, I don't even, my partner had been using it. He's a teacher and he had been like exploring about it. So he'd be sitting next to me on the couch and he'd be like, look, I'm making it write my lesson plans. That was about all I knew. I was like, oh no, he's doing a bunch of stuff with AI. He seems excited. So I just didn't think that it could write 20 pages well. Like I, I maybe I'd played around it with enough. I knew that it can get kind of like babbly, right? If your directions are too vague, it kind of just like repeats itself in a circle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I only needed to, it to repeat itself in a circle for paragraphs <laughs> or sections, which is how the way that ChatGPT writes and the way technical grants want to be written work well together too, yeah. right? Like- I don't know how else to describe it, right? That it will write itself in a circle, right? If you tell it to write me a paragraph about such, it just, it it will just keep kind of repeating itself. But that's, right, that's how you're supposed to write your five paragraph essay, right? It knows yeah. that type of writing. I didn't have to give it much direction, right? I've seen if you want it to do other particular types of writing, you might have to give it more specific directions. But if you just need technical writing, which is what grant writing is, it does that. Yeah. And so the, what's really fascinating there is that you, one, don't have to be an expert on this. And you saw quickly that the way that it that it sets things up, the way that it per- creates things is in alignment with how you have to write as you're going for these for these grant opportunities. Um, so so that's that's all well and good and cool. So then you write the whole grant and you edit it and um and how much are you editing within chat gpt and saying you didn't quite get that right rephrase it to be this and how much are you just editing in the document where you're capturing everything 
for almost everything I've done with ChatGPT, I just take its first draft and then I just copy paste it into my Google Doc and then edit it there. I needed to maybe chunk it more, I guess. Yeah. I wouldn't tell it to rewrite it. I would just, I'd just be, oh, I gave it too big of a piece of the grant to write. Instead of telling it to write that whole section, I'm going to break it into the smaller sections. Yeah, very interesting. And so your, so you, did you do all of this in one thread in ChatGPT or did you open up new ones for each different section? I don't know. I'm not that organized. Probably all one thread. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not that organized. <laughs> Best answer ever. And the beauty is you don't even have to be that organized because what matters is the end result, right? Right. I mean, I wasn't working. I, I was copying and pasting this all into my working document. I wasn't trying to get it to create a final document for me. Picture this, a student drowning in tabs, tools, and notes, struggling to piece together a research project. Sounds familiar, right? Now, imagine all of that streamlined under one roof. That's Scribble. Scribble is more than just a tool. It's a game changer. Students can curate, annotate, cite, and write all in one place. Collaborative annotations? Check. Automatic citations? Check. Real-time feedback for educators? You bet. And the best part is, it's not just about making tasks easier. It's about freeing up time for higher-level learning and critical thinking. Are you worried about AI plagiarism? With Scribble, students show their authentic work process, making it genuine and credible. And I mentioned it won the Soup's Choice Award for College and Career Readiness. So if you're ready to transform the way your school approaches research and writing, head over to scribble.com and see the magic for yourself. That's S-C-R-I-B-L-E.com. So there, there's another differentiator there that you're not trying to get it to create the final document. You have that someplace else. And so you're just pulling stuff over from somewhere else. Do you feel like you were cheating by using ChatGPT? I do, because I won't tell you the name of the grant. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> I don't know how they would feel about the fact that I wrote it this way. But I was transparent with my superintendent that I was doing it. And she was, you know, she just said, well, other districts can afford grant writers. We can't, we, you know, we're too small. We can't afford a separate person who's a grant writer. So you're a grant writer for this. And that's fine. You're not saying it's your original work. Mm -hmm. I I think this is so, so important because it, you're, you're right. Other districts do have grant writers and that's their full-time job is to write grants and understand how it works. And, um, and small districts don't have that ability, but small districts still need money. Right. And when these grants are set up the way that they are, then it favors other uh, districts that have the resources to put towards it. So I think that's valuable. It has given you a competitive advantage in that regard. So let's break down your answer to that question. Do you said you feel like it was cheating a little bit because you're not sure how they would feel about it. But I also get the sense that you are a person of integrity and you wouldn't actually cheat on something if you felt like that was morally wrong. Correct me if I'm wrong. Right. So the decision I've been using to decide whether it's okay to use it for a task is I'm, is the expectation of whoever's reading it that this was my original work. 
because I've done several kind of projects with it, not just a grant. The grant's definitely the biggest thing. But um, does anybody expect that this was like my original work? And am I telling anyone this is my original work? Um, and very little work you have to do as a principal is expected to be like your original work. Yeah, that's that's uh -huh. very true. And like during COVID, I wasn't yet a principal, but I was our district's communication director. And same kind of deal. I had lots of other jobs too. Um, and so I would just like find the bigger districts who I knew had good communications teams. And I would just copy, paste, edit their communications. Because again, I wasn't saying, hey, this is our original district communication about shutting down during COVID, mm -hmm. right? But then I didn't have to as, you know, one person in a tiny district have to come up with what's that language we're using with families around COVID. Yeah, yeah. Um, so maybe I'd already been comfortable with using other people's content to, yeah. to do district work. Yeah. So what's what's interesting there also is that um, there are, again, with larger districts where almost nothing that the superintendent says is actually the superintendent's original work, that the communications team is saying, here's what you need to say about this and talking through everything. All of our presidents for the last several decades have had speech writers who say this is what you need to say and this is how you need to say it and um and and that's just the reality of the world that we live in that people have help doing these things so i think that this is really an interesting thing to figure out so at what point would you say it's not appropriate for you to use chat gpt for something well, almost nothing that I do at work would I say fits that. Like almost anything I need to do at work currently, I would say is acceptable to use chat GPT. I can't think of something. I think I would have to, if I were going to submit an article for publication somewhere, especially if they were paying me money, maybe, maybe I'd want to explore with their editors what their feeling was on the use of chat GPT to help with that writing. But mm. I don't know. I mean, I've submitted an article before, but I wasn't paid for it to like an education journal. And I mean, we put my name in the byline, but they didn't ask. Nowhere did I certify is this my original work as far as I can remember. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not. sure that will get more interesting, right? Like all the even just like the articles written in the, you know, magazines for principals, right? Are those all going to be original principal writing or are people going to be using AI to help write those? And is there anything wrong with that? Yeah, uh, that is that is one of the questions. So let's let's talk about that a little bit more. Um, my philosophy on that is that going by what you're saying, that if it's my original work, then that sounds like it's inappropriate for me to go to an editor and say, can you check this out and make sure that it's good? What do you think about that? Well, I mean, that's where it's like more complicated, right? It's like nothing's yeah. really your original work, right? Or I mean, my teachers are talking about what they're going to do about it, because certainly right? We have high school students who are only with us for 30% of the time. A significant amount of their work happens outside of the classroom. And at least the English teacher at my school was just like, well, we're just going to have to do a lot more presentations in class where students are sharing their thinking out loud to me in class. Mm. Um, because I also think it's sort of, yeah, I, d I don't think there's like a clear definition of when you can use AI to do things that are even supposed to be your original work. So it's also, why are we having people produce things that AI could write? Bingo. You know, if, 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 if AI can write my article for an education journal, if that's what I was doing, why is that a good piece of writing? Yeah. 
uh, also to that extent, if I write something and I can make it better and more meaningful by using AI, why wouldn't I serve the people who are reading it by making it better from the very beginning? Right. I don't know. Yeah. So the reason why we're asking these questions is because people need to come to a conclusion about what this means for them and in their roles. And especially as most people listening to this are principals and district leaders, we need to be talking about this. The thing that always gets under my skin is the irony of somebody saying, I teach me how to use ChatGPT better to do my job and save me time. Um, also, I want to make sure that my kids can't do the same thing, that we have policies in place to prevent them from doing that. And, and that's where for me, the hypocrisy there is astounding. And I think if you are using ChatGPT yourself and refusing to allow your students to use it, to me, that's hypocritical. And I think that is more wrong than a student using AI to help them do their work. It also goes back to that question of why are we assigning things that can be done by AI? If the AI can do it, then ask the AI and don't worry about the kids doing it. What are your thoughts there? I mean, that's my biggest question that I think I want to work with educationally with my staff on is just what are you assigning to students? And if AI can just generate that five paragraph essay for them, why are we assigning them that, right? Like if we're not putting in enough synthesis work that students are coming up with original ideas or having a process for showing their learning or really creating something new. Why is that meaningful work? Yeah. Um, I have my own 11-year-old and almost 14-year-old. And I mean, they're both super savvy about technology. And they're both pretty bright kids. And they're very resistant. They know when their teachers have assigned them something that they think is not worthy of their time. And yeah. my older one just doesn't do it then. So I also feel like kids are pretty smart. And they know when we're assigning them I don't know, like just garbage assignments, right? And I think they'll be even more savvy that they'll be, well, AI could just write that. So why am I doing this? Mm -hmm. And I think if we don't address that, right, you're going to lose kids. Kids aren't just going to be compliant because we told them to be compliant, right? Yeah. They're they're gonna they're gonna engage in learning because it's interesting, or they think it's going to get them somewhere, or it's meaningful to them, right? I mean, that's always the problem in education, right? Is how do you make it meaningful for the student in front of you and I think as students are savvy about AI, they'll realize what's the point of me writing my five paragraph essay about the character analysis of this book, right? Yeah. So I think that that's the part also that I think some teachers are like ready to confront that, right? And figure out what they need to do differently in the way they teach. And I'm sure we all work with teachers who that's, it's so splitting open their idea of teaching and learning that it's yeah. going to be a struggle, but I don't know there doesn't seem to really be a way around it because the tools that are supposed to identify whether something's written by AI don't seem to be working anyway. They don't seem useful. They don't correctly identify it. Yeah. And they're definitely not useful because then we're putting our energies in the wrong place. If we instead put our energies in trying to figure out how to assess or evaluate what someone is doing or how they're doing it in a way that is meaningful and valuable and not just trying to catch them in doing something that we think is not appropriate for them, but totally fine for us. I think that just gets us into this cat and mouse game where 
they're always going to find a way to get around that and find out the easiest way to do something. That's not a bad thing. We just don't like it in education because we have this different idea of what quote unquote school should be. And I think that that's this type of thing is really challenging a lot of people's perceptions. I know, for example, that this podcast episode is going to get a lot of attention and a lot of downloads because you got a large grant by spending a very short amount of time on it. That's powerful. And that's people find value in that. And they're going to appreciate that. Um, at the same time, there's, there's the risk of us judging others for doing that kind of a thing and saying, well, that's no good. And we don't know what the grant deliverers are going to going to say about this in the future and what that's going to look like. So it's wise to be prudent and thoughtful about it. So as somebody is, somebody's a principal out there listening to this, what's your advice to them about starting to use chat GPT, even though you're not a, an AI expert? Oh, just anytime that someone asks you to write something and you just think, I have no idea where to even begin, or that sounds hard to just, just open up chat GPT and put it in and see what it does. Anytime I have to write a grant letter of support, which I have to do 10 times a year, I put it in there now. I don't try and even start a sentence on my own. Anytime I have to write a letter of recommendation that I feel stuck on for a student or a teacher, I put it in there. Even if it kind of spits out junk, then you're like, oh, okay, no, I don't want to say that. I want to say something mm -hmm. else. But we were talking about that procrastination phase, right? Well, now I have something to edit. Well, I can edit it make it better. Anytime I'm having to write goals and objectives, I make ChatGPT do that for me now because somehow I can't get that in my head of when you're supposed to do those different things. I have to write a lot of agreements between our district and organizations we're partnering with. Yeah. So I'm going to write all those in there now. Even I had to write a board report and then I had, so I wrote the board report and then I had to write a summary of my board report to decide what four bullets I was going to put on the slideshow that gets shown at the school board meeting. And I was just, I didn't even just know where to begin. I just felt so stuck on figuring out how to summarize it all into four points. And so I just pasted my whole board report into chat GPT and told it to summarize it in four bullet points. And it did a kind of okay-ish job, but it also, there's a lot of work we're asked to do that doesn't matter. Yeah. It didn't matter what my four bullet points were on that slide. No, nobody cared. Yeah. I mean, I think my superintendent looked at it for a couple minutes and she was good enough, right? So also anytime I'm asked to do work where I know that the outcome doesn't really matter, but I have to do it. I just have to generate something that yeah. I'm going to do in chat GPT too. Well, and it, it brings up the same thing we were talking about just a couple minutes ago, that if it doesn't matter, then why are we being asked to do it? And well, it matters. They wanted some things on the slide for the board to look at, yeah. but it doesn't matter what's on the slide as long yeah. as it's on topic. Yeah. So my approach to that previously was I didn't ever do anything until the district asked for it three times. <laughs> and so they, they would say, do a board report. And I'd be like, okay, I'll get around to it. And I'd put it on my to-do list. And then as you know, the to-do list keeps expanding. I never got around to it. So then they'd ask again, do it, do this board report. And I still want to get around to it. And then they'd ask the third time. And I'd, okay, if they're still asking for it, they must still want it. Because you and I both know, Sarah, that over time, there have been things where they've said, we need this thing, you do it, and then you turn it in. And then they never do anything with it. And you're like, hey, what happened to that thing? And they're like, oh, we decided we didn't need that or whatever. And so then it was just this waste of time 
anyway. And what's the point of doing that? Well, there is no point. And so, yeah, I think that these questions are a big deal. One tool that you might like that, that I think helps bridge the gap between these two is called audio pen. And it's one that I've been using lately. And what it does is it allows you to take whatever it is. You take your messy thoughts and you just start rambling. And then it will use AI to convert those into a clear, coherent prose, something that's written. And I've been using that and found some really good success with it in highlighting key points of my stories and things like that. So that when when it comes time to then put some of that stuff into ChatGPT, for example, then I've got my own thoughts out already. So for example, writing a letter of recommendation. So tell a rambling story about who this person is and then add that to your prompt in ChatGPT so that you can um so that you can use that to generate a better letter of recommendation. Those kinds of things might be that might be a helpful step in your process to get the things that you want to say out in text so that you can put those in and and help make that that editing process even a little bit shorter. I'll have to give that one a try. I was going to say, I haven't tried to write anything that I care enough about yet with ChatGPT. Yeah. So that would be if I like cared enough about sometimes, right? You have to write letters. You do have to write them, but they they don't need your like actual emotive thinking or even care if you have original ideas in them. Yeah. But the audio pen sounds good if it needs to have some original ideas. Yeah, that's, that's good. Okay. Well, this was great. I so appreciate you taking the time to chat with me and I've learned a ton from you and um, and I appreciate you sharing your experience. Any final parting words or anything you'd like to share before we sign off? I mean, I just, the part I haven't even had time to do, and I think that this would be the thing principals could do for each other is, right, there's all these AI tools now. And to just really find the ones that are like easy to use and really help us effectively do the types of tasks that we need to do. And so I've seen a couple others out there. I don't even know any of their names, but I'm like, oh, I, I wonder if that really works and if it's really going to work for us um, because chat GPT kind of only provides a certain function, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So I just think that those pieces, I think in the next year, there'll be some other tools that probably meet our needs very specifically in education or bureaucracy yeah. maybe yes bureaucracy <laughs> totally <laughs> that's good so i am collecting those on aileader.info so if if you have suggestions feel free to send them my way and i'll keep that big expansive list and keep adding to it because there are a lot of great tools out there so um so thank you for for sharing your experiences sarah and i appreciate your time yeah thank you edited by gage sanderson